and my guest today is the lovely Tom Tuck. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm super, actually. Excellent. And you've brought a few things to talk about because we're going to be talking about, it says Wendy's words of wisdom, but in actual fact, it's just words of wisdom that I want to know about. Wisdom. <laughs> to maybe do the British version of Drunk Histories. Drunk Histories? I yeah, know it was the funny or die thing. Okay. Um, and they would have different people telling stories from history um, whilst hammered. And trying to get the story straight. And then they would have other people reenacting exactly what the person said, even if it was wrong, and even if they then, like, corrected themselves. Oh, I love it. So it was really good, but um, it sort of stalled in development oh. hell. So I'd, but I'd done all this research that they re- then rejected anyway before it got postponed. So I f- found out about this guy called Gregor McGregor. Okay. I like him already. I think he might be Scottish. Uh, yes. He was born, born of the McGregor clan in, in Stirlingshire. <laughs> For the Ewan McGregor clan. Um, They're from right about there. Well, uh, They're from Perth. Yeah, isn't he? Isn't it? Isn't it McGregor's Rob Roy? Isn't yeah. that the McGregor clan? Rob Roy McGregor. Yeah. Uh, so in 1786. And he is just the biggest shyster in the world. Oh, really? Ever. Why? It's, what? So he. He was in the army and then is seconded to the Portuguese army for reasons that are unclear. And. He leaves the army altogether and then decides to live with his wife in London, start calling himself a colonel, which he wasn't, and then Sir Gregor McGregor, which he wasn't. He just picked it up. Can he you just know, said, is, that, yeah. is that not like treason or something? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what? I'm going to call my firstborn Sir. <coughs> my well, I always thought Doctor. I should, well, no, I thought Admiral. For, <laughs> Admiral, Field Marshal and Superfly. Those are going to be the names of my three Superfly. kids. Superfly. Talk about well, stacking the, the deck in terms of what they're going to do. Well, but they're all, um, that's, that's all the same rank, isn't it? One's in the army, one's in the navy and one's in funk. <laughs> Um, but uh, then his, his wife dies um, in 1811, and he, and he goes to South America to, like, volunteer. Like, to become to, to be a mercenary, essentially. Okay. Um, and then he almost immediately marries Simon Bolivar's cousin in Venezuela, who's one of the revolutionary leaders. And he, he I think he makes general in the Venezuelan army, and then... He fights in New Grenada and then in Haiti, and then he actually does become a colonel. So this is the this is this, so this, this is, is the, the setup. This is also the whole thing. You know, in America they say you just fake it till you make it. He's living proof that that works. Well, then he declared um, the New Republic of Florida. So this is before <laughs> this is before the Ameri- America the USA is properly properly formed, and there was problems in Florida, and so he he and like I don't know. 200 people took a fort pretending that they had thousands of people flew up raised a flag and declared that they were the Republic of Florida Um, then shortly got turfed out then when he goes back to London he declares to people that he'd been made the Kazik of Poyer what does that mean? which is the prince of well in in sort of the it just means prince of country um, in the kind of like Kazik of Poyer, what language is that? Portuguese. Well, I think it's um, a sort of uh, adaptation of Spanish. Or is it is just randomly made up? <laughs> well, Kazik is, def- is definitely, definitely a word. Definitely a word. I but quite like po- the idea of going. And today I am the Nazir of Shabbat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he's invented this country, which sounds awfully a lot like the Spanish word for country, which is país. And he's invented Poyer, oh, which right. is not, but. Then he hand he handwrites this 
guide to this country and this prospectus looking for settlers. And he sells land to this country he's made up. And he prints banknotes and, like, changes currency for people to come over and live in this country that doesn't exist. And he's it, like, he said, oh, yes, I've because I was so great in South America. God, just, he sounds like Mark Thatcher's hero. Yes, well, exactly. <laughs> he's the kind of guy that Mark Thatcher wants to be. Oh, and the, he, 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 he drew a map and said, this is where all the main settlements are. And, and it was all just fantasy. No, well, it was an actual coastline. He copied off a real map, but he just put in these different settlements i love him and, and then gregor mcgregor gregor mcgregor and um then he yeah he published the, the map and the book were apparently written by a man called thomas strangeways which was just him <laughs> but if i was picking a nom de plume i wouldn't make it as suspicious as that one that a has the word strange in it Straight, and b yeah, is a bloody a prison, prison. <laughs> <laughs> so this, that's not even the end of it um oh my god so apparently the country is eight million acres which is bigger than wales <laughs> And um, and perfect for settling, and it's got it's. It, so they're selling a country. He's selling plots of land in it, and and then also like positions in the government. He's selling as well, and then he's. Well, the Tories do that now, so you know. It's... Well, yeah, and he's he's issuing government. <laughs> he's not the first guy to think of that one. <laughs> he's issuing government bonds, um, because there was because the, all the other countries in South America were doing this as well, and and there was a sort of stock market bubble essentially on. Um, South American government bonds. And this is like 1820s. <laughs> and he, so he just starts doing it. And then two ships um, leave in the 1820s carrying about 250 settlers. And he's actually sold enough titles and plots of land to fill seven ships. But this is, this is the first party to go out. When they get and what, there... What year was this? 18... Let me just look at my note... 1822. 1822. You know that, um, we'll get off topic and we'll come back to topic, but uh, yeah. have you, there's a, there's a great book called The Floating Brothel. Have you read it? No. And basically what's happened, you know in The Madness of King George? Yep. That, that film, that, well, King George III, as we know him, but they had to call it, you know why they called it The Madness of King yeah, George? Yes, so they wouldn't think it was a sequel. The sequel. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, Americans aren't as up to speed with our kings as we are, obviously. But, um, uh, so the, what what they did before, when he was uh, when his madness was cured, they released everyone from all the prisons and everything, so that um, they could all go and be free. And it's people that were in prison for things like anything from stealing a loaf of bread to running a, a, a brothel, being a brothel madam. Um, and so they released all these all these prisoners. But prior to their release, they sent quite a few of them away to Australia, um, so that they, you know, so that when they did release all these criminals, it wasn't quite as the, the flood of of, of uh, mm. criminals back on the street there would have been. So they sent all these women off on a boat to Australia and they did what sort of ducking, diving prostitutes, smart women of the time did. They slept their way into the captain's cabin and to the various different <laughs> sailors' beds. So basically a ship left and say it had 200 people on it. By the time it got to Australia three years later, like the, the, it had doubled because <laughs> of, of all the kids that were born on the Amazing. floating brothel. And of course the captain had a wife and, and it's a really sad story because they went over... And like one of the women on that the floating brothel set up the first bar in Tasmania, and they all got themselves businesses. Mm. And half of them said to their sailor of husbands, "Right, you go back home and tell your family what you're doing, and we'll be back. We'll, we'll wait for you." And of course, some of them, the poor guys, came back to Australia and new family, new husband. You can get to fuck. They, they were over it. Wow. But I, I thought it'd be a great film. It's kind of like Pretty Woman meets Master it's Commander. <laughs> 
know. <laughs> but anyway, back to Gregor McGregor. Oh, a lot of lot of what's the... his name now? Is he still Gregor McGregor? Is he? This is still name? well. He's, he, he's he's still calling himself Commander. Sir Gregor McGregor, Sir Gregor McGregor, and, McGregor. And, the, and the Kazik of Poirier. Um, most of the settlers were Scottish. Okay. Because um, he made them feel like uh, it was going to be a particularly Scottish colony because of the the Darien disaster, which I don't know a lot about. But there was lots. There was lots of Scots died in Panama like fifty years earlier, and it was quite a. Like, I don't know about this because the Scottish were trying were trying to set up colonies. I think we just look for anywhere that's got less rain than Scotland. That's not true, actually. A, you, the, you've thing. got the Billy Connolly bit when <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about how what what why are all the Scots in New Zealand? It's because they went to Australia and went like, no, come on, guys, I know someone with drizzle. Well, Scots have always travelled, haven't they? Travel and education is a big mm. thing for Scottish people. Um, but the, but the Scots independently never really got many colonies and so the Darien disaster was I think them overreaching or there's been misinformed and just got wiped out in Panama so then he used that narrative to try and get Scots go like well this is the sort of this well, is the real one. This is the real one. We're going we're gonna sort of And, and what happens that when they got there I'm in. there was no town, there was no port, like one of the ships sank and so they all came ashore. Um there was and all he said stuff like the the, the 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 ground is so fertile you get three crops of maize a year instead of two. And there were just chunks of gold in the river and the lo- locals are really it's all lies and they get there and He was like he was a timeshare's man. Yeah. Timeshare salesman. Mm. And uh, two-thirds of them die of malnutrition, malaria, or yellow fever before a ship comes from Belize and rescues the remaining people. Um, oh and, like, the people God. who bought... They bought, they bought um, titles, like, down to, like, official cobbler of Poyer. And where... where so the official Poyer cobbler again? shot himself in the head. <laughs> it's not funny, it's but Venice, it's hilarious. Venezuela. Or the border of the North coast of South America, anyway. My God. Um... Then when, because, and he's stayed in London, of course. So he sent them all over there. He sent them all over to die. Because he's not an idiot. No, he's, 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 either, a, he's either a fantasist or a, or, a, or a crook. And probably a mix of the two, by all accounts. And then he skips down to Paris when, like, word starts getting back that everyone's dying. Yeah. And he just starts again. In Paris? Yeah, he starts selling, like... Um, set like the, the book and the prospectus and dollars, and then when but the the French found out a bit found out about it much quicker because they had a check because um, loads of people were asking for passports, um, and they go like, okay, so where are you going? And wait, that doesn't exist. Um, oh my God, so French so, so, bureaucracy actually yeah. um, saved the day. Um, and then, <laughs> then he. Retires to Venezuela, uh-huh. gets a full state pension as a colonel because he was, you know, he did fight in so Venezuela and lived happily ever after, after with no comeuppance. Oh my God. <laughs> if that's a film, it's going to be just like Wolf of Wall Street. Gonna, yeah, is, it, is it going to be a film? <laughs> I don't know, something, I don't know. Someone needs to get the rights. You buy the rights for that and write it. Who would you put in? Oh. Who would you put in as Gregor McGregor? Leonardo DiCaprio would want to do it, wouldn't he? No, he needs to be a Scot. He needs to be a Scot. McAvoy be good. McAvoy's brilliant. Because he's, you know, charm and and then a flash of... Yeah, but have you seen that film, Filth? No, he's good in that. He's good in that. And also, like, Trance, the one he did with... Um, 
Rosario Dawson, which is just have you seen that one? No. I, I, I go to a lot of movies. He's brilliant. I'm not. I can't tell you. I can't discuss it because spoiler alert. Mm. So you know. But it's um, um, yeah, they're great. Who else? I've just started watching Broadchurch, and Tenant's quite good in that. Tenant's really good. Tenant's doing the next series of Broadchurch here before he then goes to America. America. He's going to do the American version in with Isn't an American he? accent. Yeah, and he's come back to do. Did you recognise um, Joe in the, from the play? He's in Broadchurch. Is he? The Bristolian. Uh. Oh yes, I did. I did. I didn't. To be honest, I didn't. I didn't. Now that you've said, I I, I recognise him. But you know, you can. We had the most bizarre thing. We were in um, America for eight weeks. In you know this in January, and. Um, we got into a taxi, we got this Uber taxi, and the guy said to us, uh, you know, where are you going? And we're chatting to him. And we said, is that a Belfast accent? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, my husband's from Belfast. And we started chatting, because um, Stephen's from Belfast. And then uh, he said, we said, when were you last home? And he said, I was back home in 2010. I did a play called, no, 2011, I did a play called The Crucible at the Bristol, at the Belfast Lyric. And we went, we we saw that, and he turned round, and we'd seen him in a oh play <laughs> in Belfast, and there he was driving the taxi in um, in LA. It was astonishing. You know, the world sometimes is so small. I, mean, I know people say, you know, well, if you're moving in the circles and you're driving in here, well, yes, I, when people whenever say people say, oh, small world, I go, well, yes, it is a small world if you're white, middle class, and work in the arts. <laughs> Well, it is that, I guess. But I was, it, it is astonishing. It's ast- mm. I, I find it so bizarre when you bump into people and go, that's bonkers. Um, the, the properly odd, well, just just through the series of events. I was, um, I went, uh, you know, I went, I went to school in Bangladesh. I didn't know that. Ah, well, I did. That's fascinating. How long so, were you at school in Bangladesh for? Six years. Oh, wow. Um, and do you speak, is it Urdu or what's the... Uh, no, and, and that, that's deeply offensive. Oh, I'm so sorry. What, what's <laughs> no, the it's language? because Bangladesh used to be East Pakistan okay. and Urdu is the language of Pakistan. Okay. And when, when it was East well, Pakistan... Well, it was the right ballpark, wasn't it? I yes, say it is. Chinese. Yeah, no, that would have been more no, offensive. But the, but the thing, thing, thing being that when Bangladesh was East Pakistan, because uh-huh. it was the, the other side of India, oh, I see. Pakistan just raped it. Oh, raped really? it and raped it and raped it and raped it until the war of independence in the 70s. Um, just totally d- okay. destroyed it. Um, it's why Bangladesh is, well, is you know, top ten of like Poor all bad it, things. Yeah. Um, Thank God. I, um, I feel bad now that I got the language wrong. Sorry oh, it's Bangla or Bengali, depending, Bengali, depending on where okay. you're from. Okay. Um, most of the um, uh, Bangladeshis in this country are from one region okay. in Bangladesh, which is uh, Salet. Wow. Ninety percent of all Indian um, takeaways, uh, restaurants, uh-huh. are owned by Bangladeshis. Are they? Yeah, in this country, and like eighty percent of Bangladeshis in this country are from one really region in Bangladesh, Salat. That's bizarre. It's because because that's where the tea plantations were. So that's where the money came in originally, um, when sort of tea properly took off, um, and so they were the first people to afford to. Go out. To go out, and then I because see. you've got family connections, it's easier and easier, and so just yeah. generations. I did a gig once, and a guy came up to me and said, "We're called." We-. He was from Bangladesh, and his surname was Wayson. And I was kind of like, "What?" And he said, "There's lots of lots of Waysons in Bangladesh." It's pronounced which, like that. Well, um, no. I, well, he, he said Wasson. Wasson. But I was kind of like, 
I don't know anything about bank connection, <laughs> well, but I know that I'd have been right over there looking for my relatives <laughs> with their beach houses. Um, there aren't many beach houses. I mean, the, the Bangladesh does have the uh, the longest uninterrupted un- uninterrupted beach in the world. Does it? Cox's Bazaar. <laughs> what happens in Cox's Bazaar, Tom? Um, well, I, I I struggle to tell you because um, I actually got um, confined to my room on the school trip. Why? <laughs> What did you do? Um, I was out of my room past curfew and jumped between balconies. Oh, my God. Um, Why do boys just do crazy things? Uh, the mother of, like, uh, uh, the dog... It wasn't even for a girl. I was just, like, bored. I know that it's not that, because boys have something in their brains. Because, like, my daughter, I'll give her, you know, I'll, she'll read a book in the corner for an hour or, you know... Maybe not in a corner. I'm not punishing her, but she'll just sit and read a book and, and, and take some time out. But boys will just randomly walk past a chair and kick it on the way by. And you're like, that's just for shits and giggles. There's just no reason for that. You just want to see what might happen if I do this. It's in the Louis C.K. bit about, um, he's talking about the difference between boys and girls. And like, boys will just break things. They do. But girls will shit in your soul. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't know how sensitive boys were until I had them. Mm. I mean, if I'd known how sensitive boys were in my 20s, I think I'd have been a lot kinder. Well, the thing is, it's it's just um, the response is usually more physical. It's, well, the the boys' response to what you say. Boys' response to their own emotions, I think. There's like um, research in in, in Ireland, they're doing this thing with boys with maths, where they're... um, they get them to, like, rather than saying um, what's, I don't know, 56 divided by 8 or whatever, they and, and they run to the circle with the number in it rather than shout out the answer. And apparently mm. it's much better for boys to sort of physicalise mm. their brain pipes. Well, you, you, we used to have a game called was it Word Munchers, Number Munchers on the very old Apple Twos at school, back okay. in, in Bangladesh, in fact. Um, and it it just everyone was just like obsessed with getting high score in this game. Oh really? And uh, it would just be like um, a number would come up, and there'd be a grid, and you had a little character, and you had to ru- you had to run the character onto and eat all of the things that match that number. So if it was forty, you had to run to five times eight, and twenty times two, and oh, ten brilliant. times four. And so you had to run to all of the things, and then when you when you however fast you were able to clear all the things, it was great. Number monsters. So tell me about bank. Um... Oh, what I was going to say about um, things being a small world. I was I was in um, swimming class mm-hmm. um, um, in Bangladesh, and uh, a new girl who I, did, I didn't know. She was a new girl that year. There's a lot always new, new, pe- new people yeah. you know, in inter- like, international like two, schools. Yeah. Because I was always. at school in Dubai for four years, and the turnover, it's like everyone's on two-year contracts, aren't they? Um, depends what what you do. Because, well, generally in Dubai it was two-year contracts, and everyone would arrive and be really, really friendly. And Because um, I remember coming home to Scotland going, people are so unfriendly. Well, I, you know, I um, until, until I lived in Bangladesh, I'd never lived anywhere longer than about 18 months. So I was really good at making what friends quickly. What did your quickly. dad do? A civil engineer. Oh, right, okay. Uh, doing water infrastructure projects. Because my dad did the airport, like, he's an environmental engineer, so he was, like, doing the Dubai airport. And... So, yeah, my dad was doing, uh, essentially, sort of um, logistics of pipe works, whether it was sewer or fresh water pipes or things, and then eventually in Bangladesh doing flood action plans. Oh, wow. Um, but dad, dad deliberately took contracts with different people in Bangladesh 
so that we could stay somewhere for a bit. Yeah. Because you do, when you, when you, I think growing up abroad, you meet so many people who seem to be rootless, and you see where you're from, and you're like, well, my mum's from Canada, and my dad's from the Philippines, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, yes, what third culture kids, that's what they call them. Third culture kids. Yeah, so you, you the, th- the third culture is... The new one. The, the one created in the gap between where you're from and where you are. Wow, that's quite profound. And you know the Bill Bryson quote, you never feel so much part of your own culture as when you're surrounded by people who aren't. Oh, <laughs> I've never heard that quote, but the, the Caledonian Society in Dubai was terrifying. I've never been somewhere more Scottish in exactly. my entire well, that's life. It. And that's why, you know, because my Englishness is entirely constructed. Because you, you think know, English people should be. My, dad, my dad's from, like, northeast, doesn't have a northeast accent, but he, like, but he is. you sound so posh. But when you say Bangladesh, I'm like, oh. It's pretty much like I'm, I'm picturing your passage to India, probably having a gin and tonic on the porch, well, round yes. about four. Yeah, but, but, but again, this, this is all, four. all constructed. Age, because, age four, because I mean, I'm not meaning the time. <laughs> I'm the only. <laughs> well, um, I'm. You know, I was the only English person in my year for most of the time I was there. Oh really? Where was everyone else from then? Um, well, quarter of the people were from Bangladesh. Because also cause in Dubai, like all the sort of. Um, Wealthy Arabs, the wealthy people wanted to send their kids to the English school. Also to get um, a school licence, um, AISD, American International School, Dhaka, um, had, to, had to get a 25% local intake minimum. Oh, really? So, But, but it is the people who can afford yeah, to do it. Um, they're Americans, mainly, um, lots of Scandies, Scandi okay. hooligans, um, Koreans. Wow. Um, I remember once going to play a play date after school with a girl and dad said, what's the the address and I'll come pick you up. And um, I gave him the address and he went, well, that can't be because that's the palace. And I said, no, that's very well. And it was, um, it was Sheikh Rashid's daughter. But of course, I, you, don't, you know, yeah. when you're nine, you don't go, what does your dad do? Yeah, well, <laughs> He's the king. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, uh, you know, I tell people who you know, have lived in one place until they were 18, kind uh-huh. of thing. They go like, oh my God, that must have been so weird. Like, no, that's just that's what, what my I life know, was, yeah. because kids don't know different. They don't know what's different, do they? Um, I so what I was going to say, I'll get this out. I'll I get do this get out. off topic all the um, time. And this girl... Um, Swimming lessons in Bangladesh, new girl, I remember. And she sort of, we both sort of ended the, le- the length, mm-hmm. and she went... You used to live in the Philippines and then set off. And she was clearly a fast swimmer. So I'm like, I, I swam to the other end of the I'm like, what? Goes, yeah, I was in the year below because my birthday September 28th. So in this year, this school, I'm in your year. And then she set off again. And then it turns out we'd also lived in Sri Lanka at the same time. And now she lives in London. Oh, my God. She lived in four different countries. She needs to deal with the fact that she fancies you and she's stalking <laughs> you. <laughs> Sorry, Roshani. Apparently you do. I know you're married. <laughs> Quite a stalking. It was crazy, <laughs> though. Mad. Yeah, so she was at the British school in Manila and the year below because the American school system and the British school system are sort of one month apart in oh. terms of where they the cut off for what year you're in. Yeah. She was in the year below in, in, in Manila. So you were in American school? American school in uh, Bangladesh, British school in Manila. What difference between American schools and British schools for you? Did you notice anything or were you just like, okay, um, Hmm. It's difficult to say because I, I I was at the British school for relatively little time in comparison. Um, I didn't like that school much. Really? I don't, I don't remember. The British school? Yeah. In Manila? The American school was great. 
Really? Really, really good. I, guess, with, I wish we, I'd stayed there, and I couldn't have stayed there longer because the, we, the reason we came back to this country was so I, because I'm the eldest, could live in this country for three years so I wouldn't be an overseas student for universities. So. Oh, because then you'd have to pay a fortune, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's like triple. So you ruined it for everyone, pretty much, by being... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, and, for myself, and, yeah, and my education for myself, in a way, because um, if I'd stayed there, I would have done AP exams, which are advanced placements. What does that which mean? Is, um, basically, um, the, the, if you want to apply to a British university with American qualifications, you need APs. Okay. And they're roughly equivalent to a higher in terms of how many, many you need. So you okay. probably need five to get into a British university. Yeah, I had six hours. Don't, exactly. Don't mention it. So I, I, I would have, I would have come out with, um, so I came back here in year eleven. If I'd stayed there in year eleven, I would have done Spanish AP, uh-huh. um, and calculus AP. Okay. Then the next year, I would have done Spanish literature and a second maths one. I would have done a science one, a history one. Um, probably wouldn't have done an English one the next year, but I would have come out with about nine or ten. Hires, the oh. equivalent of hires. See, which I think is quite good. Don't, I, I like the, var- the variation. I think to, sp- to like specify at 16 mm. what you're going to study. For, it's nonsense. I think it's ridiculous. Well, I did five A-levels, well, no, including general studies. What does general studies mean? I know, it's nonsense. <laughs> just, it's just an exam that says, you walk in and they say, just tell us what you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, like pretty much. <laughs> is it? It was, yeah, kind <laughs> of. It was just like, write, write, just write, write a coherent essay about like a, a, a subject you had no prior knowledge of okay so they would give you like a, a newspaper article or something or a, a thing and then you just wing it yeah i used to, all went through my university exams i used to learn books really well and then go well unlike in the canterbury tales <laughs> where in the canterbury tales, this happened and this that didn't happen in that book <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> um, i find out i find a, 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 an essay of mine and the the, the lecture is written underneath that your essay is remarkable um, mainly because it mentions it has no mention of the text of which it's about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's worth a try. Um, okay, I got f- um, pop quiz. Pop quiz. I got um, five A levels. Okay. Um, I got an A. Yeah. Three Bs mm-hmm. and a D. Oh. Now, one of the Bs was general studies. Can you guess what the rest of my oh, cool. A level okay. qualifications are? I'm gonna go. Is the D? I'm gonna say maths. Nope. Uh, that is a B. That's a B. Okay, so I'm wrong. Math. Uh... I only only got a B in maths because I didn't have time to do further maths. And all like, right, all right. I, w- I would have been able to shuffle. You don't need to justify yourself to me, Tom. I still like. I you. got A in pure math one, pure math oh, two, really? and pure math three. But okay. I got in st- stats and mechanics. I wasn't very good, so, so drag me down to a B. Me down. But if I'd been able to do just pure mathematics, I would have got an A. Wow, I don't know. Math, math, and me don't get on. Um, so I got you got. General studies and maths. General studies and maths. What else have I got? And you've got I've got, I've got an A, a B, and a D. Spanish. B is my uh, other B is my Spanish. Spanish B. Um, English A. English A, correct. So I've got English and I've got Spanish. Yeah, I've got my lo- my D. I'm looking for your D. Oh, please! It's, it's going to be something like theatre or something. Correct. Is it? <laughs> Yes. Oh fuck them! What do they know? No, it was ridiculous. No, Nothing. well, I got I got like ninety seven percent in the uh, the mock, and then disappeared at my own ass. Oh really? I think. I think that's what happened. The, the 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 department was so shocked that they paid for my paper to be remarked, and I went down two percent. Oh my god! I um was at the National Student Drama <laughs> Festival in two thousand and three. Uh huh. Um, Have you always done acting and stuff? Yes. All oh, right. Okay. And so I I saw. 
went to see uh, it was a production of Macbeth that Lipper were doing that okay. had been selected for the festival. Okay. I was like, hey, it was a guy who was playing loads of little parts, including like the kid who gets murdered. I was like, I think that's my mate John. And it, and it like, got found back, yeah, it is, John. And we had a drink after, I was like, John, didn't we both get a D in theatre studies? <laughs> and we've both been selected to come to this festival as actors. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> where's, where's X, Y and Z now who got the A's? Have you ever seen, like, did you ever see a thing called Corky and the Juice Pigs? Um, I know of them, yeah. Corky and the Juice Pigs were an amazing, um, uh, Phil Nicker was in it, mm-hmm. and a guy called um, Sean Cullen. Yep. And, um, and Sean Cullen was, is the best improviser I've ever seen in my life, just just you know he'd, he'd have a framework for a song and he'd go off and it was just amazing but he was thrown out of drama school for failing improvisation <laughs> you kind of go it's so bizarre what is it mm. that's something that you that is so personal to you that other people just don't get maybe that's it oh, I don't know because we, we had to do the pra- practical was 60% I think okay so, no practical was 40% and there were two papers and they were each 30% so practical was the biggest part of it and you could choose to do acting, or you could do... I can't even remember what it was called, but you, there was something else, and you could... And you had to demonstrate two skills. Mm-hmm. That's why I wrote and directed something. Okay. Ah. Uh, yeah. You see, I think writing and, my, and directing is just too close to it. You need to have a step back somewhere, well, don't so you? So my, my first... I, I wrote and directed a, a piece for my mock, and that got like 100%. Okay. And then I really disappeared on my own ass. I was reading far too much What did you write? What did you write? I don't know. Oh, please tell me it was something really pretentious. Oh, it was fucking pretentious. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Put it on. Have you still got it? I don't know. I can't find it. Find it? I can't find it. I don't oh, know where no. it is. Um, I, I found, like... I, I, I remember, like, one scene from it. There was a guy mopping and another guy whispering his favourite words to the guy mopping. <laughs> including hypodermic. Hypodermic's a good word. Archipelago, um, which are two of my favourite words. Yeah. But uh, he was just trying to threaten the guy who was mopping. The problem was there was no plot, absolutely <laughs> no plot. It was supposed to be an accretion of images. Okay. But there weren't enough images and the images weren't good enough. Okay. Um, the previous... Uh, were you piece... in danger of not taking yourself seriously enough at school? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that ever, ever could be levelled at me. Um <laughs> Uh, the, the previous one had been like a comedy uh-huh. starring two of my mates, um, neither of whom are actors now. Tom went to drama school, but Paul, Paul's moved to Canada. Um, but th- th- they were in their pants for the entire thing. They mm-hmm. woke up in bed together, mm-hmm. and I was on stage as well. But I had a, a video camera, and so I so that that was being re- relayed to TVs at either side live. Yeah, and so. Um, I kind of like just followed the action. I was fi- live filming it, and they then they just in their pants and they found cowboy boots and cowboy hats and put them on and then started acting out this western. Right. Um, and it did. It, so this is this is kind of like rubbish western happened, and then they then they sit down on a bench at the end and take the cowboy hats off, and it becomes clear that this is sort of a like a game they do at the weekend, mm-hmm. like that they just reenact things. Uh, and and you know and that's and that was, that's a thing though, isn't it? That was it? a good. It was, it was it's a good premise. It was a good. It was a good piece, and I got a really good. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, I can do anything. Now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check me out, geezer. Look at me. Such a douchebag. I quite like that. I don't. Have you ever been to a battle reenactment? No. 
You see, I went to, um, I used to live in Hastings for a while, I lived in Hastings for four years, and <laughs> and I used to think the English went a lot, went on a lot about 1966, when they won the World <laughs> Cup, until I moved to Hastings, and oh my God, did they bang on about 1066. Mm. The town's called Battle, the battle didn't take place in Battle, they've just called it Battle. Mm. The local radio station's called Arrow FM. The hospital's called the Conquest Hospital. It's just like, you Why know, would you call the hospital the no Conquest? I have no idea, because it was the Norman Conquest. What, what's, what's the, what's the, um, the um, eye place called? <laughs> the eye hospital. Yeah. Harold's Gaff. <laughs> um, but it's ridiculous. But I went to um, a, uh, a battle reenactment, and it's people, people dressed up in all the chain mail and mm. really into it. And I don't like to mock people for the, what, you know, if you're really into something, I don't like to mock people, but I, I don't understand it. I was kind of like, wow, that's giving up a whole Saturday to sort of dress up. Yeah. My dad, my dad, like my stepdad, went to um, a battle reenactment of the Battle of Bannockburn, um, and like he goes to quite a lot of places where the the, the Scots thump the English. He's quite a big, <laughs> he's quite a big fan. I'm going it? to them. Presumably not Culloden, is that? No, not Culloden. No, 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 no. <laughs> my, um, it's such a shame because. Like, my dad, um, I can see him wincing because my children are being brought up in central London. Mm. They have English accents. So I can see when they say to my dad, um, Granddad, can I have a glass of water? I can see him slightly wincing because <laughs> his grandchildren have English accents. Well, um, yeah, because I, I do sound posh, but I've got flat vowels. Yeah, you do. Um, There's one thing I say about you, Tom, it's your flat vowels. I know, I know. But um, I, I, I distinctly remember my little sister who's eight years younger than me so at the time she would have been six or seven coming home from a friend's house um and asking for a glass of water and my mum going glass and <laughs> oh really shut up shut up with your glass oh really yeah. how funny what'd your mum do um she didn't uh work when while we were out there but okay. she's, she's a lot younger than my dad so she now started a career when she's uh once we got back to uh, Britain. So okay. she she uh, works for Leeds Council. Well, she's technically she's technically working for BT at the moment. Oh, I don't know. It's so nothing, but nothing out in Bangladesh. Nothing out in Bangladesh. She was on like the PTA and oh, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. How much yeah. younger? Than, I, I always get told for ask, told for asking too many questions, but I'm interested. How how much younger than your dad is she? Twenty years. Twenty years. Yes. Wow. Where did they meet? <laughs> oh no! Am I going too personal? Well, no. Just I'm, I'm probably going to use this in my, sh- in my show this year. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's because um, you know, twenty years is not um, inherently creepy. Well, there's twelve years between me and my husband, mm. and I was kind of like when we first met. I was kind of like, seriously, this is just a bit of fun for me. You don't want to know. I've got two children. I am so much older than you. This is really not what you're after. Turns out that's the hottest thing you can say to a guy. Who knew? <laughs> I was kind of like, no, really, seriously, let's not do the numbers thing. Let's just let it go. And he's kind of, wow, if I'd known that. <laughs> um, they met, I believe, when my mum was babysitting his <gasps> sister's kids. Oh, okay, that's okay. His sister's kids. That's okay then. I thought you were going to say when his mum was baby. When mum was babysitting. Because he's not, he's not my uh, biological father. Okay. So she already had me. I see. Um, and so Josh and Alex are like three years older than me, and three and one year older than me. Okay. So she was babysitting them. And. Oh, I see. Dad was back from Africa. So you've got like you've got a modern family. I'm always mortified when I go through. Um, 
it's, airport it's, security. It's more complicated than you could possibly imagine. But it's kind of, and I was th- I was thinking about it because my daughter wants to write a play about parents splitting up mm. for other the, for the children of other people whose parents are splitting up, so that they understand what it's like and how mums and dads mm. sometimes forget to be nice about each other in front of the two the little people. Um, but going through airport security, I always feel like such a slag when I'm like, well, that's my name. And these are two from my first husband. Because, <laughs> of course, they've all got different names mm. and they question me because I've got a different name. If, it, if they were going through with their father, I'm sure mm. it'd be fine. But they, they, they now question, because like kids get abduct, you know, abducted mm. by parents and stuff all the time, they say to the kids, and who are you, who, who are you with? Is that your mummy? And the kids are like, yeah. <laughs> with all Duh. Different I know, but I'm brown-haired and brown-eyed. The kids are blonde-haired and blue-eyed. Mm. And I, I look like the nanny. Yeah. Um, technically, I have five half siblings. Okay. And two step siblings. Five half siblings and two step siblings. Yes. Have you got any pure pure related? Okay. No, I've pure no. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, does it? It's who you grew well, up with. Well, yeah. Okay. So then I've got three siblings who I like. Who I, for sake of simplicity, say that these are my brothers and, yeah. and my sister. But it, like technically, no. It's te- yeah. Family, family trees are going to get more and more interesting to draw now, aren't they? Because <laughs> they're going like, to become three D. Be... <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to give a yeah. This is my family cube. <laughs> it's going to be an actual tree. <laughs> it's going to be the only way to do it because we're kind of related, and because we, mm. we did um, for Christmas, we did um, Stephen's family's family tree with his nana and his papa at the top, and then everyone, and then of course Isabella and Max, who are not related mm-hmm. to Stephen's family, wanted to kind of be in it, so we had to sort of. Put them in a little caravan beside <laughs> the family tree picture because they're there, but they're not really mm. connected. It's different now, isn't it? Yeah, because so, but both. Yeah, it's, it's. I'm interested. So there's you. You've got your dad, and your your mum already had you, and your dad had three kids. Uh no, he had two. He had two kids. Um, the eldest of which is only like four years younger than my mum. And, oh, that would have been interesting. And then, like, calls her mum to piss her off. Oh, no! <laughs> well, actually, he doesn't anymore. He's in his 50s. <laughs> but I mean, I've got an aunt who's four years older than me, and I call her Auntie Jacqueline just to wind mm. her up. She's like, we fucking stop <laughs> It's funny for me. <laughs> so, yeah, there's Simon and Erica. Uh-huh. And then... Um, then... Um, I'm going to say father for my biological father and dad for okay. my dad. Okay, Step because dad. anyone can be a father, but a special guy has to be a dad. Yeah. I so, um, my mum and my dad had three kids after me. Okay. Then, my biological father. I see. Has okay. Two kids. So there's my half sisters. Right. Who I didn't know about until last year. Oh wow! And he didn't know about me. Wow! Is this what your show's going to be about? Yeah, in part. <gasps> yeah. Complicated family. I've got, look at this. This. How am I going to describe this podcast? It's gone up, gone from like Gregor McGregor to maths <laughs> to complex families. Well, the the well, complex families is is, is the thing. My show's called the um, the square root of minus one. Okay. And because that is a complex number. Oh, I don't know what that means, but I'm. Well, it's okay. A, it's a math. Don't don't go don't go into maths to explain me because you'll try to explain maths to me and I will I will, no, I will no, hear wow 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 wow. I used to tutor maths. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, Could you tutor my children? Yeah, if you wanted. Excellent. Do you know the bus stop method of long division? What do you mean? Could oh, that's what I when Max came home and said that to me, I was kind of like, I don't know what that is. We'll talk um, about that off air. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely. 
So minus one, square root of minus so one. So it's about your... Well, no, okay, you... so, so we'll do the maths. Because um, I, I don't know how I'm doing this in the show yet. But okay. So the square root of... Do you know what a square root of four is, for instance? Two. Yeah. So it's something times itself equals whatever's underneath the square root. Yeah. Square root of minus one can't be done because nothing times itself is a minus number. Okay. Okay. So, so that I mean, makes it complex. Um, so yeah, any, any the square root of any minus number becomes a complex number. Right. Not, let's not get into that just yet. But the square root of minus one starts cropping up in places, like in real world applications. And it's sort of needed to be used, even though it can't be looked into and, and it can't, can't be dealt with. Yeah, so they invented, they, they just replaced it with the letter I, which stands for the imaginary unit. Which is so ah. breathtaking, breathtakingly poetic, and so the, and this is in like fluid dynamics and electromagnetism and um, calculations about space time, which are theoretical quantum mechanics. They all have this thing crop up, um, so it seems to be necessary, even though we can't know anything about it. Then, like a family, boom, um, and so so they just sort of, you just fudge along until you find another one. Then you can cancel each other out because square root of minus one times square root of minus one equals minus one, and we can just get on with that. That's exactly what it, I, do. You know, I almost have that thing where um, we're on the tube with Max and Bella, who are my children from my first marriage, and Riley, who's the children from my let's call it current marriage. Um, <laughs> and um, someone will say to Max, uh, well, "I'm looking at Stephen. Oh, you look just like your dad." And uh, the kids used to feel awkward, but mm. then I go, "Well." I'm not going to say he's not my dad because it's going to make everyone else feel awkward, mm. but they just kind of go, mm, yeah. And you do that kind of thing where you fudge along until the conversation stops. Yeah. That's perfect. So, um, yeah, that, like I, I did six nights of a work in progress last year. Uh-huh. Basically because Tom Bell went, oh, I can't do all my shows. I've got things I need to, I need to leave. <laughs> I was, all right, I'll just fill in. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up just doing... The, the kind of beginnings of what the show is becoming, but I've only sort of recently w- started working the maths in in the writing. Um, but the um, confluence is that anything complex has, anything sufficiently complex has, if not a lie, a fudge at its heart. Okay. So, but this is a bizarre because I thought, but it maths, has to be. You have to just treat it as real. But I thought maths is just really specific. People that like maths like maths because there's always a right answer and a wrong answer. Whereas I like English because you can fudge your way around stuff and have a little bit of an that's, argument. That's, that, that's why it's fascinating. Um, it's because in this entire framework, which is which is necessarily you get right answers because we've created this framework. Because mm-hmm. there's no reason that maths is the way it is. This, okay. this is the main thing. Um, so you know the, the counting numbers. Yeah. Well, no, hang on. I don't know. You say you know counting numbers. I'm thinking. I'm thinking like one, two, three, four, five, yes. six. Okay, okay. And I don't know if there's something coming. I'm like no, counting no, no, numbers. No, no, no. Is there, no, no, are no. there other numbers? Yes. <laughs> oh no. So well, then you got decimals, yeah. Oh yeah, you got decimals and you got fractions. Decimals are kind of fractions. Um, not always. Okay. <laughs> anyway. It frightens me. So, so fractions, which is just one counting number over another counting okay. number. Okay. And you go. That's just a ratio between two numbers we already understand. It's just like, that's fine. There's no problem with that. We can all, you can yeah. see how that is. Um, and then you've got decimals. And side note, you can prove that the um, that the set of decimal numbers, so all possible decimal numbers, mm-hmm. is infinitely more infinite 
than the set of counting numbers. Okay. Because in between one and two, there's all the other. There shit. is an infinite yeah, yeah. number of numbers. As what I'd call all the other shit. All the other <laughs> shit. Um, but then there are some numbers that don't fit into any of those three things comfortably. Okay. Pi, for instance. Okay. Because it's you know non-recurring decimal. It can't be expressed as a decimal, a fraction, or a whole number. This is a nice little house thing. Hmm? The, the little house thing, yes. Um, they, the, those numbers are called transcendental numbers because they're just unable to be grasped yeah. by how we are able to right. grasp things. So their transcendental numbers is effectively the number world's wet spaghetti. Yeah. But it turns out that most possible numbers are transcendental. Oh. We, and so, because m- maths isn't a re- like isn't really a real thing. Okay. But the, it's a construction. Our mathematics is a construction of how we deal with numbers and more more than and less than. Yeah. It's, so it's, basically, it's, it's a, a construct we've come up with to try and explain things that can't be explained. No, to to, to explain things that are real. So maths deals with things like orbits, which is yeah. a real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we use maths to to deal with the the kind of the numbers involved in that. And our maths is based on number ten, base ten. But there's no reason it should be. That's just what we've done. And in in what we've done, we have no way of holding on to transcendental numbers. And that is most possible numbers. <laughs> okay. So it's as if like all the world of numbers is a waterfall and we put our hands into it and then examine how wet we are to, to know about the waterfall. Okay. And everything we know about maths is just from the wet. On your hand. Okay, I get that. Okay. It's, I find it absolutely fascinating. I'll tell you what I've stumbled across recently, which I don't know anything about, and you must know about this, the Fibonacci chord? The fi- yeah, Fibonacci sequence. Fibonacci sequence. Is that what it is? I- Not a chord... Uh, because I was, I was reading an article about it and it was like, Do, you see it in ferns and you see it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I was kind of like, I don't understand. I couldn't grasp what it's about. Can it, you explain it? I'm not well positioned to explain okay. it. But it's um, a certain ratio, um, a building ratio that uh, occurs naturally. So it appears to be, this is, and this is, I think that it, there's a number called E. Mm-hmm. Which is another transcendental number, which is something to do with it. I might be wrong there. Um but yeah, it's a real thing in the world that different natural phenomena seem to adhere to this. No one really knows why, but there's something deep within the world. Okay. So the same as pi is deep within the world. Like, we can't understand orbits without this transcendental yeah. number. This is a real thing. It just thing. keeps cropping up. Pi like is the, a the, real the, um, thing. The, the explanation that was given in this article was if you look at a fern, you see the shape of the big leaf and then you see the shape of the smaller branches and they're the shape of the big leaf. And then if you look at the the, yeah. the, the, the smaller branches, the actual, the tiny leaves are the same I think snail shells as well have it. Oh, really? And um, I think, what's the other famous, I'm trying to remember other famous ones. I'm not sure, I'm not sure. But the, yeah, so, it, it, it does crop up a lot. Snail shell, dandelions, uh, clock type things, I think, maybe? Sunflowers, that's sunflowers. it. The patterns, okay. of, the patterns in the middle of a sunflower. Yes, yes. It's, it's bizarre, though. It's, in, it, but it's But interesting. It, but it's, it's, just, it's just illustrative of the fact that some things are real. 
like are in the world and some things are how we understand the world okay so the fact that that numbers click over onto the tens unit and the hundreds unit is entirely contingent it's got nothing to do with real things yeah um i wrote down as a note for a stand-up show the other okay. day the contingency of base seven. Oh my god what does that mean it's that's like something i'd write drunk and go i don't know what that means which basically basically is um why is the week seven days long oh yeah why is it because we know why a day is a day. A day is a real thing. Like the sun comes yeah, up yeah. and then goes yeah, away. Yeah. So it's real. So you can you can tick off the number of days. But why do you tick over on the seventh one? And the best explanation is it's something to do with the lunar cycle. But it but it, there's no reason it should we should even have a week. Um, because the the lunar cycle is the month. The, mil- the lunar cycle, the month. What's so the, the a days a thing? A month, roughly a thing, if you're just taking from the lunar cycle. But a week isn't a thing. Is it's it, just not. Is, no, it's not a thing. I'm thinking about like the lunar cycle and also the a woman's cycle is generally 28 days. So, so what That's the Babylonians did? The body's kind of clicked in with that. Well, the female body has. I bet. I bet there's male things in in it as well. Not, well males look at their biorhythms and stuff and that kind of stuff. Aren't it they? must be. Um, the, and the. So the Babylonians did seven-day week, seven-day week, seven-day week, and then as many days until the new moon. So they just made it up? So, well, because no, so, they, they had like a, I think they had a rest day. Uh-huh. At, so on at, on the seventh day, on the seventh day, on the seventh day, and then the rest day wasn't until the the moon had reset. Yeah. So they so they sort of did yeah. leap weeks, essentially, <laughs> every month. <laughs> I like that. They had a reboot button, which was just mm. like, oh, But there's, there's, just, there's just things that are in the world that are true, that are, like cicadas. What, what the hell are they? Well, the astonishing thing, but you know, you can tell the temperature because of how far, they're, they're, um, the, the, you know the, the noise that cicadas mm. make? The... But you know, they only come out every so, every so number of years, and it's always a prime number. Nobody knows why. Seriously, yeah, it's like seventeen I, years, I know and it's that completely the, um, insane. Seventeen years, but, thirteen but years, you hear them fifty. All the time. Thirteen years, seventeen years. It's but you hear them all the time. That, I'm, 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 I'm look that up. But that why. would mean that you wouldn't hear them some years, and you always hear them. I'm going to check exactly what that is. I know that when they uh, that noise they make that is rubbing their back legs together, and it varies according to the temperature. So the faster they're making that noise, mm. the warmer it is, which is nuts. I'm googling cicada prime number life cycles. Right, <laughs> cicada prime number life cycles. Why does yeah? Okay, so they have. Okay, apparently. Um, they they live. For, a prime number of years. Oh, they live for a prime number of years, so it's not that they just emerge. I think it's the mate. That's bizarre. Okay. So then they're like... Every 13 years. Get the... So, yeah, 13 years or 17 years. And that's how long they live, and that's it? Yes. Wow. The, The cicadas appear periodically, but only emerge after a prime number of years. And apparently it's so, um, they minimise the 
number of times they'll intersect with other sets of cicadas. All right. Why would that be bad? That so, like... so, so that they they can have all the feeding. Oh, so they kind of so they're staggering their feeding times. They know maths. Their bodies, they, they, well, cicadas as cicadas um, on maths no maths. Wow. I bet they'd do better than me in that. <laughs> well, it's the thing. It, it depends depends how you de- define the system. Because like ants, you know, ants, it's not fair to look at ants as individuals. You're going like, you have to look at a colony. That's the, that's the, the size of the system where they begin to make sense. Oh, really? It's, it's, it's because, you know, they're not really thinking units. They live pheromone trails. And it, it's essentially sort of like a brain. But so only bizarre. together. I, we had the most bizarre thing about ants. And I... Remember saying to my daughter, "Don't ever kill an ant. If you have if an ant in your room, tell me about it. And we'll, I'll deal with it." And uh, she must have been about six, and she woke up and went, "Mommy, can you come into my room? There's ants in my room." And she'd obviously killed maybe ten or eleven ants, and there were, they, you know, they come back to get their dead. They'd come back on mass to get. Yeah. It was awful. I opened the door, and it was just there were just trails of ants all over the walls. And I was but that's like, so- <gasps> But that's like that's sort of the equivalent of your skin healing, because they're because they're their their system should they're not an ant, it's a colony. But that's how you should make sense of it. Okay, so that's part, that, that's not, that's not a trail of ants. It's just a scab. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it is exactly that. I think. How mad? Because I I've got I've got a sort of grand grand theory that I haven't figured out yet, but that um. The most interesting place to look at is um, where information is narrowed, where, well, bandwidth is the term I'm trying to use, is, mm. is narrowed. So you need to figure out what the system is to look at where the information is passed between systems. For instance, okay. y- you and I have complex systems. The brain is, and it's fair to call us one thing mm-hmm. each, but language is a much narrower bandwidth information at, yeah, yeah. process yeah. Than, than a brain, than a brain is. Yeah, yeah. So the, the the interesting place to look is in the use of language. Yeah. And that's how you make that's sense an indication. of it. Yeah, okay, I understand. I find what I find interesting is um the the the, the gap but the gap between what you know and what you don't is wh- is where all the interesting shit happens. I don't know why when as a stand up when I'm writing something I can be worrying and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about a joke or thinking about something and nothing happens but if just to have that moment of silence that pure gap of anything or something pops into your head that and and I always refer to it as like you know in biology you have the synapse you know what synapses yes, are yes. you have in your and so it's that gap that it has to jump yeah. and it's it's jumping it's when something jumps that gap mm. that I think is amazing because there always has to be the gap yeah I'm reading I'm, I'm reading two things at the moment I am um, I'll get you uh, <laughs> well, I was reading one, and then it, it's, I'm now using it as a prop in the play. Okay. So well, that's annoying. Um, so I'm reading something else as well. But the the, the um, it's one's a Zizek book. Um, do you know Slavoj Zizek? I don't know. He's a Slovenian philosopher, Lacanian, and cultural theorist, sort of a psycho psychoanalysis. So like, like, like bedtime reading, then is it? <laughs> he is quite. He's, he's very funny. Is but, he? But then it, then it, then it will turn into a slog. 
Um, so it would be something right something about Heidegger and it's like oh no I haven't read I haven't read the original and you're like oh, oh I haven't read any Lacan I don't know what he's on about and then he's going he's going on about speed too you're like oh, brilliant <laughs> I quite like that oh I've seen that I've seen that <laughs> no I haven't been, but you haven't seen that either yeah, yeah. I haven't seen any of the sorts of material but um, he, he used a phrase in the um, in the book which just made me hoot which was the um, the missing term of Rumsfeldian epistemology. So, so that's that. There's things we know, and there's things because I, I started one of my first shows with that. There are known knowns. That's Donald. So, so there are known knowns. There are unknown, known unknowns, and, and there, there are unknown unknown unknowns. Yes. But so the missing term is the unknown knowns. Yeah. And so, uh, so Zizek was del- trying trying to say the, the things yeah. that we do know, but we don't know that we know. Yeah. And so. Yeah, okay. So that's, like, that's about accessing part of your brain that you don't know that you have. Well, he's talking about ideology. Okay. And so this is, go back to this, the square root of minus one thing again, the, the thing that is embedded, he was talking about capitalism, the, the square root of minus one in capitalism, mm-hmm. the imaginary unit, is that um, uh, unlimited growth is possible. Growth forever is possible. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's clearly a lie. So, hence, capitalism is false. If you're strictly yeah, saying, yeah. if you're strictly saying, but okay. you're saying, if you're just saying, well, that silence is trying to figure that out. <laughs> that's let's just say that we don't know how to deal with that, and we'll carry on as if it was true. Same as same as religion. I mean, God's obviously nonsense, but if you carry on as if it wasn't, yeah. Do you know the thing about you that the God's obviously nonsense? Like, and I'm I'm a, I'm a humanist. I'm not, you know, I I I'm a, I guess an atheist because I don't believe, but I sometimes see atheists on twitter and on facebook shouting the mouth off and i think can't you just be let let yourself be right and stop shouting at well, people no, no, who do this, have the is, faith this is the point that the people who do have the faith are operating as if god is a square root of minus one he's the imaginary unit and so they're just carrying on making all the calculations as if god was there yeah and if that helps you get that the works day, for you it works for you though because everybody has a square root of, this is the this yeah. is the point of the show i'm trying to figure out and you know, put some jokes in. <laughs> is is that everybody has one of these? Yeah. I mean, the very the very least, you, you carry on as if you were important when it's clear that none of us are. None of us are. Um, and then you look at people that are like really successful, and you kind of go, they I just wa- operated as if they yeah, were important. I don't want to be that person that goes, "Why you?" Because mm. that's not a, that's not a, a nice feeling, and it's not a nice way to be. But at the same time, you sometimes think, and "Why you?" Pretty much everyone. Um, lives their lives as if they were a good person whether everyone or not it's true a good person, whether they? or not it's true everyone can explain their their dodgy actions because they think um well i'm a nice person i know i did that mm. but i'm actually so i've got a, nice a joke person. at the moment which is kind of one of the only ones that i've test road tested out it's like i like to think i'm a good person but i can't tell you the number of wanks i've had on trains <laughs> <laughs> well did you see that um there was um, there was a, a if program. If you see me on a train, Louis, like, okay, I'm just going to watch. Please don't be wearing a, a trench coat or something like that. <laughs> um, Louis Theroux did a thing where he was interviewing um, sex offenders in America, and they were being rehabilitated. And they all have their sort of code of ethics hmm. of what they do. You know, so this guy was like, you know, I'd never, I'd never touch someone else. You know, someone in the family. I'd never touch a child in my family. And you can like, okay, so you've made your 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 moral moral code based on the fact mm. that fiddling with someone in your family is wrong, but other kids are fair game. I mean, I often think that with the Catholic Church. I don't know if you're familiar with Catholicism, but My I was brought was up. Okay, well, I was brought up to think that 
to, to know that all children were born with original original sin and that original sin is because your mum and dad fucked to have you so you're always born you're all born with that stain and then kind of going well that's terrible but then if you see how the catholic church priests often lots of them treat the young altar boys you kind of go well if everyone started off fucked anyway mm. it, it's a nice disclaimer for them just to jump on because everyone's Everyone's a sinner anyway. Yeah, conveniently ignores that they're supposed to be the upholders. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you do go, oh, okay. I'll just confess. Maybe that's yes, your. Maybe that's their square root of minus one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That they just accept. And certainly, there's a lot of rooting going on. <laughs> <laughs> Whose joke is it with um, um, uh, square roots are like kids? If it's under sixteen, better do it in your head. And Bo Burnham used it in a song, but I'm almost certain it's not his joke. Oh, my God. Um, but, like, that was when he was, like, way, way, way young. When he was like When he was still 14, he used it in a song about maths. These young achievers do my nothing. <laughs> he's they lovely, really is Bo. I don't know him. I've only met him a couple of times, but he's absolutely lovely. But he's young and successful. How annoying is that? What, so? <laughs> he's good. He's good. He's very good. I love that, I love that joke when he goes... Um, you guys like impressions? And the cat goes, yeah. Goes, Why? <laughs> that was Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. That's absolutely marvellous. Well, I had a great story. Oh, that I was going to, this is, um, I need to show you two stories. One story was um, a friend of mine went to can, see. Can, can we, um, is it possible we could take a pause so I can have a wee? You can have a wee, of course you can have a wee. I will pause it. So, um, the, yeah, the story I was going to tell you was, um, we, this week we sadly lost Bob Hoskins. Yes. Great actor. The end of Long Good Friday is oh. one of the best pieces of work oh my God. Um, in like everything anyone's ever done. I um, went to the re-release of Long Good Friday about 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And I walked into the theatre and went to sit down and I said to these two guys, uh, you're in my seats, can you move? You're in my seats. Excuse me, you're my, can you move? You're in my seats. And my ex-husband's face went white because it was mad Frankie Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, honey, please don't pick a fight with a, with a known gangster. <laughs> but um, <laughs> a friend of ours was an actor, started acting at the RSC with Bob Hoskins. And when Bob Hoskins came for his audition for the RSC, they showed him upstairs to have a look at the radiator that wasn't working because they thought he was the plumber that had come to fix it. <laughs> Incredible! Isn't that shot astonishing? You know, he, he'd gone home from Cannes. Uh huh. Um, when Long Good Friday was in, was showing at Cannes. Really? And they were frantically looking at because he'd he'd won Best Actor. I know. And they're like, "Where is he? Where is he?" And they sort of just had to like go get someone from like get someone to get, put him on a plane and then put him on a, another like a private jet to get him there. And the, so they they held that award till the end. To get and him back in time. To get him back in time. Oh, wow. And so everyone knew what was happening in the crowd, but they but um, they kept giving the crowd updates. Because Monsieur Bob is in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Monsieur that. Bob. <laughs> I like that quote. He said, you know, when he did the um, It's Good to Talk um, mm. adverts, and they said, why did you do those commercials? And he said, well, uh, there were five, 500, I think 500,000 reasons for doing mm. that. And uh, each and every one of them had the Queen's head. <laughs> it's like um, when Michael Combs asks if he'd uh, seen Jaws 3 which he did he goes no but I have seen The House You Bought <laughs> I like that brilliant 
brilliant. Well, listen, I've had a really interesting, um, enjoyable chat for Words of Wisdom. Fascinating. Thank I could you so have, much. I, I, I could have talked to for hours. We could talk. But you do not come back and do it again. Let's do Is that. Right? You've got loads of other stuff to talk about. I was going to talk about, uh, yeah, Japanese. Japanese? Well, come back again. Yeah, sure. We'll, do, um, we'll find out at the end of this that I've not pressed record. I'm <laughs> but um, thank you so much for coming in. Lovely time, Tom. Thank you for having me. See you soon. Bye.